0: Hello. Hello. Once again, I'm informed, well, not actually, but I'm close to being informed by the voice in my head that I'm alive. Well, that's good to know. Yes, you are. Yes, this is specific. live, yes, I'm, I'm, are. Alive, I'm and alive. And You're alive and we are All alive. All right, and the show let's is pray. Going on. Oh, dear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth lord you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the holy spirit by that same spirit we have right judgment in all things and evermore rejoice in his comfort through christ our lord hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen This may not be the best um, show for little kids to listen to because there's a very important topic, um, which to us isn't that important, but it was very important to people like St. Paul in the first reading. It has to do with an operation that uh, was required by the Jewish law. It was required of men. So um, you might want to think about that because you might have to explain something to a small child. Um, at any rate, I will try to be as oblique as possible. I will mention that operation. Uh, <clears throat> this is the letter to the Philippians, and very interesting. The letter to the Philippians is is a little bit confusing because uh, there are people who suspect that the, the the letter to the Philippians is is actually a collection of smaller letters. Such it may be. I don't think it changes anything. Um, but this, this um, idea that, that um, it was, well, it, it may be, as I said, three different letters. So I don't think, as I said, I don't think it matters. We would be, if that's true... We would be in the second letter, I believe. Let me look that up. But the second letter, so they're different. Three different letters. Now, very interestingly, I think interestingly, uh, I shared this with you um, earlier. That there's there's something called the Gospel Triangle, which is a very small triangle uh, whose three points are uh, Betsaida on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, Capernaum, which is on the north, I believe, on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Chorazin, which is up the hill from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you walk from Capernaum up the hill to Bethsaida about two miles. From uh, You walk up the hill from Capernaum to Chorazin about two miles. From Chorazin, you go east about five miles to Bethsaida, and from Bethsaida, you come back about five miles Uh, You know, these are just ballparks, but it's that small. You come back five miles uh, as the crow flies in a boat over water to Capernaum. Jesus did most of his work in that little triangle, and those three towns were unknown uh, until the 19th and 20th centuries. In other words, they were lost to history. They were uninhabited and buried and only dug up in the very recent past, Well, there is also what I call the the Epistle Triangle, uh, which is bounded by Corinth on the west and by Ephesus on the east. And right in between is the Aegean, the Aegean Sea. And it it was uh, uh, Greeks didn't look at water as an obstacle. The Greeks looked at water as a vehicle. They were maritime people and all those little islands were populated by Greeks. The north of these three cities would have been Philippi, right at the top of the Aegean Sea. And it was uh, uh, kind of, well, kind of the boonies. Uh, Philippi was, uh, I believe, uh, named for uh, uh, Philip of Macedon. Uh, Of course, I may be making that up. Let me see if I can... I'm sure it was. Yeah. let I'm, let me just make sure I'm not making that up. Okay. The foundation of Philippi, um, yeah, it was, uh, King Philip II of Macedon in 356 BC. That would have been the father of, uh, of, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Alexander the Great. So that's where we are in this. And it's, it's, it wasn't a huge town, um, uh, but it was important. It was a a, a fortress on the um, um, uh, on the I think the Ignatian Road, one of the big roads that went through the Roman Empire. So this was a a, a good place to to spread the gospel. So that's kind of the background of it. And the three things that that uh, um, are dealt with in this letter are. Um, well, they are, uh, of course, as in every, every group, uh, the, the middle, which we're in, uh, um, we're in the, the arguments that people are having. So that's, that's one of the problems. This, uh, what's going on is people are coming uh, from Jerusalem, claiming the authority of James, the brother of the Lord. Now, let us back up. James, the brother of the Lord, you all know that that, um, our blessed mother had only one child, Jesus. Then who are these brothers of the Lord? In the West, we tend to think of them as cousins, and I think there's good biblical evidence for that. There's James and Joses, who at one point are referred to as brothers of the Lord, but in another spot, they are clearly uh, the sons of another woman, and would thus have been cousins of the Lord. Uh, in the East, they tend to follow the uh, Proto Evangelion, the first gospel of James, which was written maybe 100, 110 A.D. It's it's not a Gnostic gospel, but it 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 collects lots of old stories about Jesus, some of which may be true and some of which may be quite false. But in it, it, it seems to indicate that Joseph had been married once. His first wife was dead. He was significantly older. And this is this is what is held in the East. In the West, as I said, we generally hold that Joseph had not been married first and that these brothers of the Lord are in fact cousins. But in the East, they tend to look at this proto of St. James and uh, make the point that that ju- They would make the point that the actions of Jesus' brothers are clearly the actions of older brothers. They come to take Jesus back because he's embarrassing the family, that kind of thing. Who knows? This is not worth arguing about. You know, uh, the day after the general resurrection, provided we all die in a state of grace, and there we are. Let's go down to, to visit our Blessed Mother in Saint and St. Joseph, and we'll ask... How's that? I'm sure she's a wonderful cook. Um, where was I? Uh, so, yeah, it's, this is not worth arguing about, so don't call in angry about it, please. Um, so, uh, nonetheless, there were these people who had the title of brothers of the Lord, and they were called the Desposini, the, those who were with the Master. And um, they really believed that they were entitled to the leadership of the church. And there were many people who thought this James, the brother of the Lord, who had been made bishop of Jerusalem, well, he was the natural leader of the church. And Paul wrote the epistles, in a sense, to deny that. To say, no, that that Jesus didn't appoint his relatives. He appointed Simon Barjona and the apostles and the, the 12, that, that there was a, uh, an apostolic leadership, not a hereditary leadership. And um, I think that's why in the Gospel of Mark, you see texts that seem to indicate that Jesus didn't, uh, didn't have a high regard for his mother, which is, of course, uh, crazy, that, that uh, when they say your mother and your brothers are outside, when you see you, um, who are my mother and my brothers, Jesus says, Uh, um, that they are those who, who do the will of my father in heaven. Uh, so that certainly sounds like Jesus saying, big deal. My mom's outside. That's not what he meant. Remember his last concern on the cross was to make sure his mother was taken care of. So, um, I think that that's an important thing to understand. Um, uh, Well, let's move on. I, I'm 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 beating this horse until it's thoroughly defunct. All right, this is why he talks about this. He says we are the circumcision, and from now on I'll refer to it as that operation. We are that operation because that's how the well. Maybe one more time. Uh, that's how Jews described uh, those who were members of the house of Israel, and the non-Jews, what we would call Jews and Gentiles, they would call circumcision and uncircumcision. Uh, We are the circumcision, we who worship through the Spirit of God, who boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in flesh. Although I I myself have grounds for confidence even in the flesh. Uh, If anyone else thinks he can be confident in the flesh, all the more can I. I had that operation on the eighth day, which is when you perform that operation. Uh, the race of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew parentage. Notice he doesn't call himself a Jew here. He, call, he talks about Judaism elsewhere, but he, he's not a Jew. He's an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew parents. In observance of the law, of Pharisee. In zeal, I persecuted the church. Now, I maintain that, that, that uh, modern Jews, and I get this from Rabbi Lefkowitz, are more properly called rabbinical rabbinic Pharisees. Uh, rabbinic phariseeism is the religion of judaism and of course you know i can be pretty picky about this but i think clarity is important Uh, that that um that any person today you meet especially if they are religious who calls himself a jew is theologically a descendant of the pharisees and a pharisee was a respected and honored person You know, we Christians have got to get over using that word as a kind of, oh, you're such a Pharisee. Well, that's a good thing. It's someone who is zealous for the law of God, zealous for defending the truth of of God. And um, uh, I think that's that's a real important thing um, to respect that. But it is interesting here that Paul no longer calls himself a Pharisee. That's kind of interesting. He he calls himself a uh, a a Jew, or he calls himself a Hebrew and an Israelite, a Benjaminite, because he was the tribe of Benjamin. So that's all kind of interesting. Uh, let us move along here. Uh, we uh, confidence in the flesh. He's saying that that this physical operation doesn't make you a member of the club again with this idea are you in or are you out this was a very important uh, operation you know you see uh, um i know quite a number of ethiopian and eritrean catholics and you will see frequently see them with a small cross tattooed on and uh they are um, um it's an indelible mark that they're Christians in a world which, in which being a Christian can be fairly dangerous. Uh, Um, I think that that's really kind of bold of them. Well, that's exactly what circumcision was Now, in the ancient world. Uh, people think that lots of people went around without clothing. That's just not true. Uh, that, that, (laughs) You know, we see all these glorious statues. They're statues. People wore clothes, trust me. Except in one place, in the gymnasium. At the gym, the word gymnos, from which comes gymnasium, literally means naked. So the gymnasium was the place of nakedness. Uh, That's just how they did it. And so the gymnasium was kind of like what we would think of as the health club so the mark of that operation would be very public and as such it kept jews and gentiles apart that that uh gentiles looked at that as obscene uh, at that mark of circumcision um imagine a religion that would demand that you cut off an earlobe who would want to join that? So this was a big deal. It kept these two groups of people, and, and um, the Jews were about 10% of the Roman Empire. Uh, in an empire of six, seven, seven, 60, 70 million, they were hmm, anywhere between 6 to 10 million people. They were, they were a good hunk of it. And they, were, they were all over, especially the Eastern Empire, and they could be very difficult uh, because they did not want the Romans to impose Roman religion on them, so at any rate, um, uh, so that's why that's why this is a big deal, and people are coming from the Jerusalem Church to say, you know, you can't be a, a follower of Jesus unless you undergo that operation, and Paul is saying nonsense. We are the chosen, we who worship through the Spirit of God. That we've gotten something better. And our way of life should distinguish us from the world in which we live and not a mere physical operation, because a mere physical operation, well, that doesn't do anything. So that external uh, compliance to certain rules, though rules are very, very important, it's not salvific. That the law, I mean, the 613 commandments, uh, or 603 commandments, the ten would suffice. All right, I want to go to the gospel, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, Again, the same deal. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You weren't even to eat with people who had not undergone that operation, and you weren't to eat with anyone who was, well, a sinner. Now, people say, well, I, 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 I want to accompany people. I don't want to accompany people in their sin. Remember, Jesus came to change them to to, to uh um, take them away from their sins, to free them from their sins, not to join them in their sins. Um, I remember a wonderful ministry. There was a ministry in Uptown when I, and in, well, the near north um, of, well, I want to be discreet again. Um, this was Emmaus Ministries, and it dealt with young men who were almost all drug addicts who, who sold themselves. Um... And this was a, a heroic ministry. There was another ministry that, uh, with big van and well-funded that just went around and passed out things to people who were involved in that life. But Emmaus didn't do that. Emmaus, they really genuinely accompanied these people all the time trying to get them into Christ and to get them out of the life. To get them, they, they had a farm where people who were drug addicts could go and get medical attention and... And withdraw. It was a heroic ministry, Um, and and it wasn't just. Oh, we're in. We're 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 on your side. No, we're not on your side. The Lord is on your side, and if you if you allow yourself to 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 be transformed by Him, you can be free of that life. So I mean, when people hear about accompanying those who are in trouble, it doesn't mean approving of their of their sinfulness. You know, this idea, well, I don't agree, with, but I support you. You're going to support someone in self-destructive and self-mutilating behavior? Really? That's love? I don't think so. So Jesus did not indulge, did not uh, support people in their sin. He went in to bring them out of their sin. So just to say that, and I remember thinking, well, uh, the next two parables are about the value of the human being. Uh, I remember thinking, a hundred sheep, meh, spring is coming, there'll be more sheep. Why would I risk my life for the one? I remember uh, meeting a priest who had been a shepherd in his youth on the uh, on, in the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro. And if you lost a sheep, he said, you went looking for it. Sheep are valuable. They provided milk and wool and cheese and all sorts of thing things. And when they were very, very old, there was mutton, which was, of course, a retirement program for sheep, but you didn't—you didn't generally didn't use sheep for meat. They were very valuable animals, so you went looking for it. But the one that I love most is this. is uh, This is going to be a little long voice in my head, but trust me, I'll try. You've probably heard this. This, yeah, you've probably heard this this story before. But uh, my mom and dad were married just as the depression had broken out. And my father was in law school and teaching rhetoric and debate. And uh, mother came from people who were very prosperous. Well, everybody lost everything. So they didn't have much of a wedding. They had a wedding breakfast, a very simple wedding uh, in church, of course. And all my father could afford to give my mother was uh, a very thin white gold band with diamond chips in it. And my mother and father did pretty well. You know, my father was a canny investor and being Teutonic, as we always say, he was frugal, very frugal. And they did well. And I remember looking at my mother's ring one day when she was, I think, doing laundry or something and say, Ma, you could get dad to pop for a better ring now, couldn't you? And at least have him replace those diamond chips that are on. She just looked at me like, are you an idiot? And then she went back to work. Those diamond chips were irreplaceable because they were given to my mother by the man who loved her, her college sweetheart, uh, um, at a time when they had nothing. Uh, Well, why would this woman? I mean, this is a denarius. It's one day's wage. She's got nine left. She'll find it. I mean, she's frantic to find this coin. You know, well, she had nine more. And, you know, you, you you cleaned out the reeds and the stuff that was on the floor on a regular basis. She'd find it. Why did she want to find it? Because I have heard that a, a woman had a headdress of coins. You see that often in Arab Bedouin women. They had a headdress of coins, which was their wedding headdress. And one of those ten coins was probably from her wedding headdress. And... Uh, it was like the diamond in the young girl's engagement ring. And this parable is saying that you are as precious to God as the diamond in a young girl's engagement ring is to her. It is irreplaceable, no matter how small it is, no matter how poor it is, it is irreplaceable because it was given with love and with sacrifice. So that's how much you mean to God. You mean as much as a lost sheep, and even more you... You mean as much as the diamond in a girl's engagement ring. With that thought, let us move on to a break, and we'll come back with letters. 888-914-9149. We will open the phones at 888-914-9149. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today. An Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. Now won't you tell me where To the Lord. I mean, I don't know about you, but somehow the Lord is always the last place I go when it should have been the first place. All right, let's go to letters. All right. Uh, Um, I think I dealt with this one. Um, The the. Oh, I meant to call Rabbi Le- Rabbi Lazowski, not Rabbi Levkutz. May rest in peace. But you know the idea that somehow Mary's pregnancy would not have been scandalous because engaged couples had the right to be intimate. I don't think that's true. I've never heard that from any authoritative source. But I gotta remember to call the rabbi about that. That's why I didn't. I didn't eradicate the letter. All right. Um, this is from. Uh, Father Mike, in California, um, so it's about a lot of people calling and asking about indulgences. I know what the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us about indulgences, and the explanation is basically what I learned growing up as well in semin as well as in seminary. During my time in active ministry, I don't recall many questions from people concerned about indulgences, even though on special occasion, the subject would be mentioned. As I listen to people call. I get the feeling that people think they do exactly X, Y, and Z in order to receive the proper magic that will happen. But indulgences aren't magic. Indulgences are special graces. Grace is given for prayer and sacrifice. You know, I hate to say this, but I think Father Mike, you're absolutely right. That 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 this is this is this is why I kind of harp on the idea of the Pharisees and the law and justification, all that sort of thing, because. We're doing the same thing. We may think it very funny that the the Pharisees would uh, not carry keys, but if it was on a stretchy belt, well, they weren't carrying the keys. They were just putting on their belt, so they had their keys with them, and they could lock and unlock things. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's the same thing we're doing. You know, I think indulgences are very real, but they hinge on the repentance of the believer um, That that remember for a plenary indulgence one must have no attachment to sin and um, uh, I don't mean to make it sound like well indulgences are impossible they're quite possible and quite real but they're hinged on uh, they they're, they're tied to repentance it isn't just sort of racking up points as in in a uh, a computer game. Uh, what was that? Pac-Man, <laughs> the little, the little munching little circle could pack up, get more power by. Did you play lots of things. arcade games in your days? Uh, the voice was, was asked. I played arcade games. No, I never did because I. Uh, you know that that game where you get shot at. I would always holler and try to run, <laughs> even so I never I never got them. But yeah, I think that's true. And I I, I don't want you to to say that that indulgences. Say if Simon doesn't believe in indulgences, I certainly do. These are holy. The fact is, I went to a couple of graveyards uh, on All Saints Day or All Souls Day uh, to 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 pray for. Uh, People I love who have gone ahead, and it was a very, very spiritual moment. Yeah, I actually saw a tombstone with the name Simon on it. I thought, well, there you go. You know, the Lord really reminded me of the shortness of life, and it enhanced my my pursuit of those indulgences. I think enhanced um, enhanced my my. Uh, my repentance. So that's the purpose of indulgences to deepen you in repentance, not just to fill in the blank. So you got the juju. Okay. Moving along here. Okay. Uh, this is, um, uh, let's see here. Can okay, I keep going back to that one? All uh, right. This is, uh, I wanted, uh, to, to read these two from Abraham, uh, delightful, um, uh, on, all Souls' Day, uh, we played the, the mourner's kaddish, which is uh, uh, one of the central prayers of the Jewish liturgy. But is particularly sung uh, when the the dead are commemorated, and it's called the mourner's kaddish, and it's very joyful and doesn't mourn at all. So uh, Abraham uh, uh, tuned in and heard the kaddish. He is. Uh, uh, um, uh, a Catholic from a Jewish background, a Jew, I, I, I call them Jewish Catholics. So I thought that was wonderful, Abraham, that you, you heard that. But uh, one of the things he mentioned was that the Mourner's Kaddish really has the structure of, um, or it really kind of is the basis of uh, the Our Father. I remember talking to Rabbi Lefkowitz about that saying the Our Father is a very very Jewish prayer. So, uh, if you want to research that, it's very easy. You look up the words for the mourner's kaddish and I think you will see that that you know Jesus Jesus practiced the faith of his ancestors as do we. And so, you know, the idea that that um there's no kind of, um, I think this is a real kind of, I suppose it's it's really quite heretical uh, that that um, we get this, I think, uh, from people who want to say that there was no liturgical structure and no church government in the early church. They like to think that, that the church sort of sprang full-blown from the head of jesus as did athena from zeus and it didn't that that we are the fulfillment we believe of of the hebrew scriptures of what we call the old testament and i've often pointed out how the idea of elders and deacons these are these are synagogue ideas and the the idea of bishops these come from the essenes who are what we would call a jewish sect um that that these are ideas that, that we take from Judaism I and mean, the idea of liturgy. You know, these people who say that, well, the early church just sat around telling nice stories about Jesus and eating bread and drinking wine. And that sort of developed after Constantine into this elaborate ceremony. That's just not true. If you've any known any Jews well, they're very liturgical people. The structure of synagogue worship is very structured, the, and the temple worship was just as structured, if not more. So these were people who came from a religious structure, and they had a religious vocabulary, and they had a religious songbook called the Psalms. So we look at the Mourner's Cottage in English. "Glorified and sanctify be God's great name throughout the whole world which he has created. According to his will, may he establish his kingdom in your lifetime, and during our days, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, sanctified be thy name. Thy kingdom come, may he establish his kingdom. Thy will be done, he has created us according to his will. Um, that, that, that at least that part of the Our Father is certainly reflective of this prayer, which is central to the, the liturgy of the synagogue. So, you know, this idea that, that, that we just were just uh, completely different. No, no, the Lord was shaping the church from the times of Abraham on. How often do I tell you that at Mass you're at the fulfillment of the sacrifice of Abraham, the binding of Isaac, more properly called? I think that that's a very important thing to realize, uh, that that, um, this binding of Isaac, um, he wasn't a little child, he was 33, he was laid on the wood, and then you know the story that God held back the hand of Of Abraham by means of an angel and it's as if God said wait wait we'll do this together because Jesus is son of Abraham son of Mary princess of the house of David and Jesus on the cross is the completion of the binding of Isaac on Mount Moriah and so when you go to Mass And you say the Our Father, you're reciting a prayer that Jesus wrote in the spirit of prayers that he has prayed, he prayed all his life. And when you go to Mass and you see the priest hold up the blessed sacrament, say, Behold the Lamb of God. He's saying what John the Baptist said on Jordan's bank. And remember that Isaac asked Abraham, Where is the Lamb of sacrifice? And Abraham said to I'd rather Isaac. Isaac said to Abram, where's the lamb of sacrifice? And Abram said to his son, Isaac, don't worry, God will provide. And they sacrificed a ram, which is not a lamb. The sacrifice was incomplete. There was no lamb of sacrifice until John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God. And when I hold up the blessed sacrament of mass, I say, behold the lamb of God. I'm not doing something that's 2000 years old. I'm doing something that's 4000 years old. So, to say that well we have no relation i don't read the old testament because well i just like the new testament about jesus you can't understand the new testament unless you are immersed in the old because the new is the fulfillment of the old i'm grinding that x all the time so lot of phones open at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149 we'll be back This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. I'm gonna sing till the spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing till the spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing till the spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing till Jesus comes. I'm gonna sing oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus, oh oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus, oh oh my Jesus till He comes. Sing oh my Jesus. Well, I could just listen to this stuff forever. I love gospel. It, it's, it's, I think it, it evokes in me the same thing. I don't know if the chant does. Oh, well, that's just me. All right, let's go to the word of the day. Okay. This is a wonderful word of the day, um, uh, at least I think it is, <laughs> if I do say so myself, has said the voice in my head. Okay, because of the excelling knowledge, I count all things, oh, let's do two words of the day, this is such a cool word, uh, I count all things as loss. That word is Zemia, which literally means a bad deal in business, you know, uh, a, a bad business transaction, that's what that means. It means, you know, a bad investment. So what he is saying here is, is I count, uh, let, let me get to the text itself. Where would I put the text? Come on, text. Uh, whatever gains I had, these I consider as loss. Uh, and gains, that that that's also a term for business. But these I consider a bad investment because of Christ. You know, Paul was up and coming. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, you know, he'd been delegated to go take care of this Christian nonsense. He was making a name for himself as a Pharisee and as a leader of the people. Well, guess what? He threw it all away because it was a bad investment. It was a, it was a bad, bad Something deal. Horrible has happened. Yes, exactly. But I'm not, that's not the word of the day. Um, but it's the one I consider everything as a loss. Oh, where'd I put that? Good grief. I consider everything as a loss. Uh, because of my the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, they don't include the next line in it. But that's what I want to talk about. I consider them garbage. May I gain that? I may gain Christ. Well, I think that that's a really neat little word there, uh, because it's it's uh, it's in the same verse where they cut it off. The word is skibbalah. that means things thrown to dogs. Ace is to into or towards. Kios is a dog, not Canarian, which is what Jesus calls the Lebanese woman a puppy. But Kios is dog, and balo is throw. So skibbala are things thrown to dogs. And I've heard some people want to translate it obscenely, but you know, it doesn't usually mean that. It means filthy scraps of garbage. It means muck. So uh, um, skibbalon, you can use that word as, you know, as a i don't know use it whatever you want s-k-u-b-a-l-o-n skibble on things thrown i regard all of that as stuff you could throw to the dogs my that's i think really neat all right let's go to uh uh, phone calls hello newman (laughs) newman is newman on the line oh oh, it's john from central valley california i i thought so what can i do for you john well, I was just wondering, why, uh, in, in, in the Father's wisdom, why place us in the same locale that he placed a lot of, you know, Satan and all his rebellious spirits? Oh, for the same reason that he placed uh, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. For the sake of love. In other words, if I have to love you, I can't love you. I have to make a choice. I can either choose God or I can choose the enemy. And ultimately that's, you know, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters put it so beautifully that ultimately, you know, when we say this is mine, that's mine, nothing is mine. I can't, I can keep nothing. Ultimately, every human being, either God or the devil at the end of time will be able to say mine regarding them. So that's why he leaves us in this world of, of struggle in order that we might have freedom, freedom to say yes or freedom to say no. Does that help a little? Oh, yes. Good. And then good. I also thought that, uh, you know, uh, to make them witness his salvation. Well, I think that you that's know, true, too. After I they think decided that they didn't point. want to worship it. Every knee will bend in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. I think that that is the scripture does bear you out on that, so... That's true. So, well, thanks for calling in and thanks for listening. God bless you. Whom do we have now, dear dear voice in my head? Teresa from Chicago. What can I do for you, Teresa? Father Simon, you often talk about building a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and that yeah, is really I, I do. important. Do you have any book recommendations or other ways to go about oh, doing good that? Grief. Oh, good grief. Good <laughs> grief. Book recommendations. Well, in my... Early as today's, I read books like They Speak with Other Tongues and, and uh, um, uh, The Cross and the Switch play. They're very, I call them theological mystery novels. They're not terribly profound. Uh, uh, they're not terribly profound. A better, better, better profounder and more theologically oriented book is In the School of the Holy Spirit by Jacques Philippe. Okay. In the School of the Holy Spirit Perfect. by Jacques Philippe. So there, those are, those are three possibilities. The first two are fun, uh, but they're, they're kind of theological bonbons, but, but, uh, Jacques Philippe is a very profound theologian. So, uh, uh, there's another book I really enjoyed, which is even more poorly written. Uh, um, it's uh, from Prison to Praise by the Reverend Merlin Carruthers. <laughs> it's great stuff, <laughs> and it just—it just talks about his conversion. So, uh, the, the, those those three theological bonbons—they're nah, fun, but Jacques Philippe is is definitely better. There, that help. Great, thank you so much. God bless you. Who do we have now? Dear voice in my head. Damon from San Francisco, are you with us? Yes, Father Simon, and I appreciate your show, but here's my question. Sure. It's twofold. The twofold is 1979 Nobel Peace Prize. The concluding sentence is, The greatest destroyer of peace, and I hope you know how it finishes. Do you think it's best to um, how come no Catholics, I don't mean Christians, how come no Catholic? how come Catholics have forgotten that famous line that stunned the audience? Hmm. That's my question. I'll take the answer offline. Well, it's kind of funny. We Catholics, (laughs) we we should probably be more stunned by things, but we're not. Because Jesus said, um, if they've treated the master so badly, will they not treat the students worse? Uh, Jesus said that, and, um, well, he was right. And blessed are you when they persecute you. Um, You know, recently the Nobel Prize was given to someone for what he was going to do. (laughs) It's become a bit of a mockery. (laughs) The Nobel Prize in science, well, that's probably still real, but the Peace Prize? Man, you know it's 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 fascinating to me this world that that loves to honor itself. Um, we believe what Jesus said that um, you know if 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 I honor my myself, who am I? My my testimony isn't true. So this sort of self-congratulatory world of Oscars and Emmys and Nobel prizes, it looks good on paper and on a resume, but I don't know that it will look that good at the last judgment. All right, hope that helps we we have lots of lines open and I actually have a few minutes so eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine now we have Teresa from Wheatland California Teresa are you what can I do for you? Well, I just wanted to make a statement um, earlier you spoke of the Blessed Virgin being pregnant before they lived together yes what. Well, Okay, there's a two series, a two book thing about Jesus and his times written by Daniel Ropes of the Society mm-hmm. of Jesus. Yes. And in there it says that a woman that is betrothed to her husband but not yet living together, it is acceptable for the woman to become pregnant. So I, I know think Daniel Ropes my my, might have said it. But I, I, I know no one else who has said. I mean, the Jews I have known would certainly not have agreed with that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, uh, Daniel Ropes, uh, uh, Henri Daniel Ropes, um, uh, was, well, kind of a, an interesting person. He was, uh, uh, for so people know, he was a, a, a biblical scholar um, and a... Uh, 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 you know, he he was, you know, controversial in his time. He was a, he was a great scholar, but I, well, I'll have to look at what he says. But as I said, I'm trying to research it, but I, I, I'm not sure that I've never heard that anywhere. I've heard the Danielle Rope statement too, but um, uh, I've never heard um, I've never heard anyone but him say it. So again, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and I'll, I'll call my friend, the rabbi, and I'll see what he has to say. So, well, thanks for calling in. And if I'm wrong, I will happily admit it, because, well, I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> so there you go. Well, oh, are okay. we all? are we all? Okay. There God we go. bless you, Thanks. God bless. All right. Who do we have now? voice in my head. Ryan from Arizona. Um, in math, they always say the body of Christ, and they give you the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. wine, they'll say the blood of Christ, and they'll give you mm-hmm. the wine, the blood of Christ. But supposedly the understanding I have is that both are each other, not inexclusive ex- to each other, if that makes yes. any sense. That's called concomitance, and we believe it. Yes. So at Mass, why aren't they saying the body, blood... And well of Christ the, the host becomes the body and blood of Christ. the cup becomes the body and blood of Christ. however the host symbolizes the body of Christ and the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ. one is solid, one is liquid and we live symbolically. Uh, you know uh, when you think of it a stop sign is a symbol. it's not saying stop it's showing you a red light which symbolizes stopping. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, But the Eucharist is much, much more than a symbol. Symbols, you know, the letters of the alphabet are symbols. We communicate through symbols, everything. S-Y-M-B-O-L-S, not the kind that clash together. However, the, the Eucharist is infinitely more than than uh, something symbolic. It isn't just an idea or words on paper. But that's why, because of the symbolic value the communication to the human person, body, soul, and spirit. Does that help a little? It does. And, Father, um, before we say the Our Father, why do we proceed with such caution as in saying we dare to say, and then we proceed with the Our Father? Oh, you've hit on one of my favorite things. The Our Father, I always say, is a terribly dangerous prayer because it starts with our. I don't want to say our. I want to say my And then it says, Father, I don't want a father, I want a mother. Mothers hug you and make chicken soup. Fathers take you occasionally out behind the woodshed, at least traditionally. And, you know, I remember my dad would get up in the morning and walk down to the train, go to the downtown, earn a living, and come back. He was our father in heaven. I would like him I would like him to be right there playing with me. But no, he had to leave every day. And then we go on to say, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I don't mean that at all. I want my will to be done and my kingdom to come. And if you're God, you'll jolly well do my will. Uh, and then give us our day this daily bread. I don't want daily bread. I want a nice stock portfolio, and I want to be guaranteed future security. I don't want just today. And forgive us as we forgive others. <laughs> Are you not on not on your life? You should forgive me, Lord, but these other idiots—I'm not so sure. Etc. You see what I mean? It's a very dangerous prayer. We make perfect liars of ourselves, and then we go to receive Holy Communion. It's very wise of us to say, if we dare to say, "Audemus dicere in Latin." We dare to say. Does that help? It does. Uh, a healthy fear of the Lord. Thank you, Father. God bless you. I appreciate. God it. God so bless you, and thanks for listening. All right, whom do we have now? Benny, Benny from Whittier, from California. Whittier, California Father That's Christ who we says. got. Yeah, what can I do for you, Benny? Well, Benny uh, is confused. Uh, I'm pushing eighty-four, Father Cradle, Cradle Catholic. But uh, okay, the other day I heard that when Jesus spends the night praying, if Jesus is God, which well, He is, of course, I believe that. Yes. but why would He pray to Himself? He's not praying to himself. He's praying to his father. His father is God, too. You see, God is a family. God is a relationship, a perfect relationship. So perfect that the two, actually the three, including the Holy Spirit, are one. But they're persons. The word person in Latin actually means a voice. It was a mask that, that actors spoke through. A persona, you made a sound through it. And so a person is someone who has a voice. And so the person of Jesus raised his voice to the person of his father and spoke to him and wept and was there. The Bible talks about the letter of the Hebrews, Jesus weeping and crying out to his father. You know, he, he loved his father and he trusted his father. So that's who he's talking to, the father. Uh, and 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 in a funny kind of way, the word pray simply means to ask. And have you ever thought that God prays? He prays to you. He asks you to do his will in the world, to care for the poor and the sick and the needy. And you're about to get a great opportunity to pray for everyone with Drew's show on the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So don't go nowhere, but you can answer God's prayers by interceding on behalf of those he loves.